The interviews and discussions in this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. This episode of the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison, is sponsored by Barclay Pierce Capital, a leading Australian corporate advisory and equities trading firm. Focused on your vision, Barclay Pierce specialises in making it a successful reality. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison. Now, today we're looking at a company called Opal, ASX code OPL. Now, Opal's currently got a market cap of just over $8 million. And Michelle Gallagher, the CEO of Opal, joins us now. Michelle, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks very much for having me, Oriel. Now, we have spoken before, but I wanted to give an opportunity to our viewers to hear a little bit about your journey because it's an incredibly interesting one, Um, certainly not a straight path to say the least, to see how you ended up where you are today. No, it's certainly not a straight path. I don't (laughs) think any entrepreneur can can actually say that. No, I started my career in allied health, so I was an orthoptist, which is somebody who typically works with ophthalmologists. Um, And interestingly, as soon as I graduated, I was working up in Brisbane and I got involved in a clinical trial and I didn't know what a clinical trial was at that point. And I was collecting data for this drug that was being developed for glaucoma. Uh, And so funny enough, fast forward, when I look back then to where I am now, sort of 25 years later, it's, it's quite surprising that that very first experience that I had back in Brisbane would inform so much of my career in decision making now because my interest now is 100% in clinical trial efficiency and solutions. So that's been pretty exciting. But yeah, having worked in public health and then through the biotech industry and then starting my own company about seven years ago, uh, it's it's been a, a a very backwards and forwards and up and down journey. As an entrepreneur, what is the you know? It sounds a bit cliche, but it's always really interests me. What's the biggest piece of advice you can give to other entrepreneurs? I mean, this is a journey that's difficult. It is hard. It is often lonely. Um, what's the biggest piece of advice that you could give to other entrepreneurs that are looking at doing similar things? Oh, I think we need a bottle of wine now. This could be a really long, could be a really long conversation. Um, oh, look, I, th- this is not for everybody. It really isn't for everybody. And there's so many sort of, you know, sparkles and rainbows around the idea of entrepreneurship. But this is a really hard road. And when I hear people say, "I'm going to start my own business and I'm going to do my own thing because I want more freedom and I want more balance in my life," I feel like yelling out, "Stop!" Stop. You know, that's all the wrong reasons to do it. I think my greatest piece of advice is to have people around you who understand the journey with you. So I've got two amazing mentors, one of them who's come from the SaaS and software industry and another one, funny enough, that's come from the alcohol industry. I think we're going down a path. Um, <laughs> but but also I come from a family of entrepreneurs. So my father and my mother both had their own businesses. My brother has a very, very successful engineering business. So they understand the journey and they can provide that emotional support but also that ability to be able to talk strategy with you and and priorities as well as having an interest in family. I'm really lucky to have family who really understand exactly what the pressures and the joys of this sort of space is. That and, and of course, clearly wine too is very yeah. important in this journey. <laughs> Definitely. 
<laughs> so when it comes to Opal and how you put your past experiences in the company and the drive to, to, to get to where we are today, and we're going to delve into your numbers and so forth in detail in just a moment, but over that journey, what's the hardest thing you've had to do? What's the hardest challenge you've had to overcome? I think one of the hardest challenges that I've had to overcome was, first of all, trusting myself. Um, mm. So right at the beginning, it was a, you've got this great idea, you can see the way that it's going to play out, you know what you've got to do to get it together. And then I think every entrepreneur comes to a crossroad where they go, am I right? Is this is this really going to happen? Is this really going to be a thing? Um, and I think being able to navigate that point in the journey is is really important. So I think the hardest part is going, yep, yeah, it's not perfect. I don't have everything I need. It's probably possibly going to fail. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't know how I'm going to cope from a you know family perspective, but I'm going to do it anyway. And so you sort of just, it's like base jumping. You sort of jump off the cliff and you go, I'll work out how to fly on the way down. But <laughs> it's that. And I think in terms of being really practical, probably one of the, the most difficult parts that I've had to navigate in this journey was knowing when to stop doing something that's not working. Yeah. And, and you've got this need and desire to be successful all the time and to, to have this outward public-facing narrative that is strong, 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 strong. Um, and then I've come to really understand that I think one of the greatest gifts in really understanding the language around entrepreneurship is to demonstrate that you recognise something's going wrong and you know that you should stop it and you do stop it. And mm. I think too that inspires trust with investors, but it also really importantly inspires trust within the team that you're working with. And in internally, it's also that process where you trust yourself as well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. They're very, very difficult decisions to make. And again, it can be very lonely, you know, when you're making those sure difficult can. Um, decisions. Now, let's talk, let's talk a little bit about Opal. I'll, I'll get to your funding in just a moment, but your quarterly results came out a few weeks ago. Um, very, very good numbers. Um, strong growth, full year revenues, 1.24 million. Um, talk us through your past quarter and, and what's really exciting. Yeah, this has probably been the most exciting quarter that Opal has ever seen because we launched our clinical trial recruitment platform, Open. Uh, and so for us, this has been uh, 18 months of work to see this come together. It's still at a, an MVP, a minimum viable product stage. But the great thing is we've launched it on market. and Within weeks, we were generating revenue from it. So the wow. first clients that have signed up to, to use our clinical trial platform are clients that we already know. They've already been clients of ours in the past or they're people within our professional network. So they've worked, they've kind of walked with us in a process where we're still refining and fixing things as we go and they're really happy to be sort of collaborator clients and I think that's a really generous thing. So for us in terms of receipts from customers, it's a nice strong growth and I'm very happy with that. We've had to really balance the team. So for those people that don't know us, we have three parts to the business. We've got a clinical trial recruitment platform that's now up and running. We also have another AI platform in the background, which is, is something that keeps me awake at night because I absolutely love it. And that's in clinical trial efficiency. But the big part of the business that generates revenue right now is an older consulting part of the business. And this is around deep social media insights and deep social media listening 
and we did some consulting clinical trial recruiting. So that's where most of the revenue has come from in the past and that's that's the revenue that has kept us alive and kept the engine firing through this really exciting development phase that we've gone on. But for the last quarter, the team have been extraordinary. So we have nine employees in the team and they've had to really balance keeping our revenue alive with the social media insights and the consulting work that we do whilst building and getting this new platform up and going. So I've got a team who have worked way beyond what humans should probably work and they've been so excited to be able to see this breathe life and get up and going. So in terms of we've been able to maintain our retainer clients and all of that revenue whilst building a platform pretty extraordinary. You've absolutely extraordinary. Now you said you said before that open itself represents a significant scale and transformation period for the business. Does this mean that we can expect a, a different revenue split 12 months to two years down the track that more revenue will be coming from open than from the other parts of your business? Absolutely, absolutely. So this is the bridge that we're trying to build. We need to maintain the clients that we've got and the revenue that we've got with the services that we currently offer until we can kick up the revenue from open. So we've forecast a pretty big uptick in revenue from open in the first six to 12 months. And then after that, where it really sort of um, fires up and gets going is 12 months sort of down the track. But we can't let go of the old part of the business and that, that consulting model and the social media listening stuff until we get the revenue going with open. And then internally, the people inside the business will transfer from those services. All of them will come across to open. So at the moment, the group is split about 50-50. Everybody's got a little job to do with open, um, but about 50% of the group are almost 100% on open at the moment. So what I what I expect to see, and the team understand exactly what their, their goal is and what the, the milestones are, that we are unlocking four revenue opportunities in open. Only one is unlocked at the moment and the next few will be unlocked over the next sort of eight to 12 weeks. Uh, And then from there, once we get all of those four revenue opportunities going inside the open platform, then that's where we get exponential scale and that's where the revenues will really, really drive and kick us right off into into the stratosphere, I hope. What what's your time frame? Do you expect? I mean, obviously there are there, there's only a certain amount of information uh, around ASX listing rules that you can give us. But what sort of time frame would you expect for those sort of I, I suppose strategic alliances, if you like? Yeah. So a big part of our success and our scale strategy is to try and create strategic alliances with trial aggregators. So it's awful hard work to just go trial by trial, what, talking to one company or to one hospital or one medical research institute. Um, so what we're trying to do is to get into those trial networks in which there's 60 trials or you know 80 trials or 140 trials and to do a deal with those kind of networks. So that gets us that scale fairly quickly and it, it means that we can unlock much larger revenues, but we move faster because we're doing lots of trials. The other strategy that we've got is to focus in some key therapeutic areas. So mm-hmm. inside the team that I have, we've got quite a lot of us that come from healthcare backgrounds and we have the clinical language, but also the professional networks in that space. So we're really leaning into our strengths. We're sort of picking up those languages in those disease areas in which we really understand patients 
and we really understand clinicians in that space. So very quickly, we can get the trust of those teams. So we're looking at some of those very small opportunities to give us that strategic advantage. And that's what we're doing different in that space. The other thing we're trying to unlock is a lot of efficiencies in the platform. And this is applying AI to some of the tools inside the clinical trial recruitment platform to give us operational efficiencies. So one of the features we're just about to unlock in the next few days is real-time quoting and using machine learning to predict and to price what each trial is worth because not all trials are equal in this space. So I'm kind of really, really excited to see some of these features that are to our benefit that can help drive customer acquisition and revenue as quickly as possible, as well as getting into those networks that can help us with client acquisition as quickly as possible. So in terms of actual time frame, these are the th- sort of things that I can see happening within the next three, definitely within six months. Wow. So for us, our greatest priority in this business is unlocking that clinical trial recruitment revenue and all of our focus that we have available is being put into exactly that. So the one thing I want to be able to say to shareholders in the next time we talk, L'Oreal, is that I'm thrilled with the uptick in revenue and it's exceeded our KPIs and expectations. Mm. Yeah, that's always always a very, very positive place to be, of course, as a listed company um, yeah. with, with eyes on. <laughs> um, now, Michelle, you, you briefly mentioned the various sort of, I suppose, medical fields um, that you're focusing in on and how there are certain areas which you can specialise in because of the areas of specialisation that your team has. Um, I know that one of the fields which is I, I find particularly interesting is, is stem cells, so the regenerative mm-hmm. uh, medicine fields. Um, is this how focused are you here? Because it's certainly one of the fastest growing sectors um, in the global industry. It is, it is. And so this leans back into uh, my background. So I worked for the Australian Stem Cell Centre, which was a major national research initiative that brought together all of the research in Australia into one cluster. And I worked for this group for about four years. So these people are very much kind of my people and the language I'm very, very familiar with and the technology around this. So that was sort of way back in about 2004, 5, 6, 7, 8. Um, And then what we saw back then was there are very few commercialisation outcomes from the research that was being done because stem cell technology was still very nascent in those years. Fast forward now to where we are right now. Australia has a really exciting Um, group of companies, many of them listed on the stock exchange, that are very much right in that clinical development stage. So these are people that I've known for quite a long time and technologies that I've followed for some time. So we did a strategic alliance with the Centre for Commercialisation for Regenerative Medicine, and this is part of a big global network. So it's based at Monash University. And this is also a client that we'd already had inside Opal. So we're able to literally just keep going and translate into a bigger opportunity. But what CCRM Australia gives us is access into a global network of all of the regenerative medicine and stem cell companies around the world. And it means that we can start to really hone our skills around clinical trial recruitment and also the second platform that we've got, which is around protocol design and prediction, Um, we can really hone it in the Regen Med space. We recognise that this is one of the biggest growing areas in the biotech sector. It's where a lot of investment is rushing in. The big outcomes here would be cancer, would be um, 
orthopaedics would certainly be places, things like ophthalmology. So we can see that if we really focus and build our professional network in the regenerative medicine space and really leverage what we've already got, we can get in front of a lot of companies that are spending billions on clinical trials at this point in time. So again, this is this is what I mean by, you know, being really thoughtful and strategic about where do we put our effort to get the biggest bang for buck and how do we leverage the networks we've already got to be able to grow our expertise in that space. I want Open to be the platform that every regenerative medicine company in the world uses to recruit because they can tap into the knowledge inside my team who have a lot of regen med experience, language and networks. Mm. In terms of your plans, and obviously, you know, uh, the future can be sort of anything and everything from where you're sitting right now, um, but you're, you're doing pretty well on the fundraising side as well and enabling you to, to move into those various areas. Um, now, you've recently raised around just over a million, 1.3 million, I think it was in a share placement, mm-hmm. um, a, another substantial amount, just over a million in a share purchase plan that was oversubscribed. What are you planning on doing with those particular funds? Yeah, it's really critical that we have this cash in the business. So one of the biggest drivers of success for clinical trial recruitment is advertising on social media. So this is not a cheap thing, but it's significantly more cost effective than advertising on radio or television or in newspapers or in billboards on the outside on freeways. So our team are very, very skilled with social media. So this is a critical difference that we bring to this space because Uh, The team that I have working inside Opal, we do social media insights and social media listening. So these are really unusual people with a really, really unusual skill. So advertising really effectively on social media is what drives people into our platform. They sign up and create a patient profile and then our artificial intelligence matches them to a trial that they're eligible for. And then that's how we make money. So once we then pass those patients who are eligible, who have indicated they want to be part of a trial, we pass them over to the organisation that's running the trial. And that could be a hospital or it could be a med tech or a biotech or a pharma company. So that's how we make money. But where we're going to spend our money is in unlocking all of these new features on the platform, which can drive further revenue streams. Also increasing the amount of spend that we've got on social media to drive people in. The platforms like these, um, and we've we've got to recognise that we do have competitors in this space, but we have some really critical differences in the way that we're approaching this market that our competitors just aren't. Um, But we need that available cash to be able to drive that growth. Also, we've built a global platform. So at the moment, we're mostly recruiting clinical trials for Australian organisations in Australia. Um, But within weeks, I'm hoping that we'll be in a global space that will be recruiting patients from other countries to clinical trials and also working for organisations that are not necessarily Australian. So we've got to think about spending this money on really features, sales and marketing. Mm. So so just on a final question, um, Michelle, you've got a big pipeline ahead of you and I think um, clearly a lot of work still to do. Um, to get to where you want to go. But it seems like you certainly have a corner of the market. So when you look ahead and you're looking sort of 6, 12 months to 18 months ahead, what is the one most exciting thing that, that that's coming up for yourself, for Opal, um, for the company, for the team? 
I'd like to think that in 12 months' time that we can sit back and look at the growth in revenue and feel very comfortable that we've cracked the code, that we're in a space in which we're well-known, we're trusted, and that that revenue is continuing to double and double and double each time we look at it each quarter. I think in 12 months from now, I also want to be able to see that um, the sort of outcomes that we want to be able to report to shareholders are not just about revenue, but it's about share of voice and dominance in the market. So uh, I want to be able to say that we're working in at least, you know, 20 different countries around the world. I, I would love for this time next year to have an office in the US and an office in Europe. Um, that are recruiting and building up business development contacts in those two spaces. But I really want an office in Singapore. And I think the Asia-Pac region is one of the fastest growing regions for clinical trials. So MTP Connect, which was an, it's like an industry peak body, uh, they put out a report just recently in May, in May, which was the state of clinical trials in Australia. And there's a lovely feature on us in that um, around the use of artificial intelligence to really improve this sector. But one of the great outputs of this report was the identification of the huge explosion of growth in clinical trials in the Asia-Pac region, and that Australia is perfectly positioned after COVID to really accelerate this industry and to grow our capability. But also because we've been mostly COVID clean in this country, international uh, companies, Biopharma and MedTech and Medical Research, are now looking at Australia saying, hey, they didn't have any interruption to their clinical trials really during COVID, that also Australians have been really quick and, and so have the rest of Southeast Asia and the APAC region. We've been really quick to adopt teletrials and we've been really quick to adopt decentralised trials. And so that is trials happening in smaller regional hospitals or, or not just one big centre. So I think the behaviours that we're seeing in the Asia-Pac market mean that we can really leverage this space. So in 12 months from now, um, and hopefully everybody's vaccinated and I can travel to Singapore and launch our Singapore office, that would be brilliant. Well, we'll certainly be keeping a very close eye on on you, Michelle, and, and watching what you're doing and looking forward to having another conversation in a, in a few months' time to see where you're at. Um, thank you so much for chatting to us today. That's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Michelle Gallagher with us there, the CEO of uh, Opal. And, of course, thanks also to all of our supporters, all of our listeners um, listening to us today. You are listening to Stock Insiders with me, Oriel Morrison. We'll see you next time. This episode of the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison, was sponsored by Barclay Pierce Capital, Australia's leading corporate advisory and equities trading firm. Barclay Pierce Capital provides specialised corporate advisory and equities trading services to privately owned businesses, small to medium-sized public and ASX-listed companies.